0: Welcome back for those who came back and welcome to those who just arrived. I hope you can all hear me. Can everybody back there hear okay? I hope the overflow can hear too. Well, there was a family that was traveling just outside, just outside of Orlando, Florida. And as they were traveling along, the, the girl, the teenage girl in the family, she looked up and she just burst out laughing. And her brother said, what are you laughing about? She said, look at the name of this town. It's called kiss of me And she started making a kissing sound and her brother goes, Wait a minute, this isn't isn't Kissimmee, it's Kissimmee. I've heard of this place, this is Kissimmee, Florida. And she goes, no, look how it's spelled, K-I-S-S, I-M-M-E-E, Kissimmee. Well, before you know it, they were locked in an argument and each were stuck on their position. So the mom and dad did what any parents would do, they stopped at an eating establishment and they said, just go in and ask them what the real name is so the two kids go running in the boy's a little faster than the girl. When he gets to the front, he said, my sister's behind me. When she gets her, just tell her where we're at and say it very, very slowly. And the girl said, what? Just tell my sister where we're at and say it slowly. She said, okay, okay. Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not enough to just speak so we're understood, but we need to speak so we're not misunderstood. And today we're going to talk about the most wonderful um, form of understanding, and that is understanding the spirit, and understanding so clearly that we don't misunderstand. And I know sometimes it's hard, because we think, well, was that me, or was that the spirit? Is it just that that's what I want? And so today, hopefully, we can have a little bit of a um, little more clarification. Well, I want to share with you this wonderful quote. President Russell M. Nelson said, one of the things the Spirit has repeatedly impressed upon my mind since my new calling as president of the church is how willing, you should underline that, willing the Lord is to reveal his mind and will. The privilege of receiving revelation is one of the greatest gifts of God to his children. and." All of us can learn to receive revelation. We're all at different stages of receiving revelation, and sometimes, sometimes I understand it clearly, and sometimes I question myself. You know, we all have those moments. Um, as as we think about revelation today, I would like to share this next story with you—a um, wonderful story. Years ago, when I was a teenager, in the 70s, I worked on Temple Square in Salt Lake City. There was a group of about 15 of us that ran the visitor center.
1: It was before they had the
0: sister missionaries, and we actually got paid Uh to work at the visitor center. It was very fun. It was the perfect job. And um, I worked in the North visitor center, which now has been torn down, sadly, but um, served its purpose for those like 40 years and almost 50 years. Here's the entry to the North Visitor Center. and One day, um, I arrived at work and one of the hosts, who I was really good friends with, and there would be 200 hosts come through a week, and, uh, excuse me, 300 hosts and hostesses, and 200 volunteer um, tour guides. and. Most of the tour guides were young return missionaries, so that was really fun for me as a college girl to have that amazing opportunity. But most of the hosts and hostesses were people who were um, seniors and like my age right now. And this host, I became really good friends with him, and he shared an experience with me that he had had just a few weeks prior. So what had happened was a VIP tour had come to Temple Square it was a tour that had a nun and she was a mother superior. And so she had an entourage of people with her. And they traveled. So think of um, you know, think of the Reverend Mother and Sound of Music. She was that. And they came to the North Visitor Center and he was assigned to be the host with this VIP tour. And so I'm hearing it from his mouth. He's telling me the experience that he had. So this isn't a she said that she said that he said that. This is, to me, from the person I went to. okay So um, they came through the entry of the North Visitor Center. And then, as you remember, there's the Adam and Eve statue. That was the first thing back then. It changed years after that. And then they went to the Old Testament prophets. And of course, this Catholic nun is deeply touched by everything she has seen, because it falls right in line with all of her teachings. Then they went up the ramp, beautiful rotunda, so sad to see that go, to where the Christus statue is. And the Christus right now is over in the conference center, which is really wonderful. And So right in front of the Christus, the tour guide turned and bore powerful witness of Jesus Christ. And then behind, they would go and you would see the life of Jesus Christ, and the very last, the resurrected Christ, and how touching that was. So this woman. And her entourage, she's very deeply moved. Then they go into the theater. You all remember the theaters and at Oh, I'm sorry, not the theater yet. It was the Joseph Smith diorama. How many of you remember that? The Joseph, OK, a lot of you remember. You younger people won't remember. But there was a diorama with a figurine of Joseph Smith kneeling, kind of like this, and had light coming down on him. And they told the Joseph Smith story. And then they told about the falling away and restoration and all the quotes from Peter and Paul and and the different reformers. And wow, it was powerful. And she became uneasy, as you can imagine. And then they went into the theater. You remember the theater now. As they sat down in the theater on the back of each seat, do you remember this? That you could pick up a copy of the Book of Mormon on the back. And one of my jobs, I mean, we would greet all the people. We'd be placed all over the square and greet them and answer questions. But another job was to run the projector and to put the copies of the Book of Mormon in the little holder, which is like our hymnals, you know. And they would be shrink-wrapped in plastic so that they wouldn't get all gummed up. So we would go get them out of the box. They would come t- from the factory, we would stick them in there, and the people would sit. And if they wanted one, they could pay $1, which was the cost of printing. The tour guide gave a powerful testimony at the front of the theater. And then the tour guide left at the bottom, and the nun and her group left at the top. And my friend, who is the host, left with her. And they walked out out into the um, area there on that bottom floor. And they sat down. And she had picked up a copy of the Book of Mormon. She had been deeply moved by man's search for happiness, which is the story of the plan of salvation. That touched her. She was weeping. And she said, can you tell me more about this book? And so they ripped off the plastic. And the book fell open. And the page that it fell open to had a scripture that was underlined. He was astonished. He had never seen that before, as was she. And I'd like to share with you the scripture that was underlined in the Book of Mormon. Wherefore, do the things which I have told you I have seen that our Lord and your Redeemer should do. For for this cause have they been shown unto me that ye might know the gate by which ye should enter. For the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water, and then cometh the remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. That scripture is found in 2 Nephi 31 17. And I would admonish all of you to mark that scripture in your scriptures. She said, Well, I've been baptized. And he said, The Lord's trying to tell you something very important and that is that you need to get baptized by one holding authority. And so this beautiful woman, you know, the scripture has been marked. It it was marked by the hand of God. Somehow, the scripture was marked. And this beautiful woman stayed on in Utah. She took the missionary discussions for the next week, and she did enter the waters of baptism. She did enter. Well, We learn from the prophet Joseph Smith, and this is found in um, History of the Church, volume one, page 314 and 15, and also teachings of the prophet of Joseph Smith pages 103 and 104, and I'm sharing that because we have a whole bunch of people in the overflow. Joseph Smith said, I will proceed to tell you what the Lord requires of all people high and low, rich and poor, male and female, ministers and people, professors of religion and non-professors, in order that they may enjoy the Holy Spirit of God to a fullness and escape the judgments of God, which are almost ready to burst upon the nations of the earth, repent of all of your sins and be baptized in water for the remission of them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And receive the ordinance of the laying on of hands by him who is ordained and sealed unto this power that she may receive the Holy Spirit of God, and this is according to the Holy Scriptures, and the Book of Mormon, and the only way that man can enter into the celestial kingdom. Well, it is something that is extended to all. All have the opportunity, but not all receive it. Well, have you thought about that? What a wonderful blessing it is to have a member of the Holy a, a member of the Godhead dwell with us once we are baptized and confirmed, once you are given that privilege to receive the Holy Ghost. I want to share with you the story of Joe. Joe Salisbury, his um, family was, he had just turned eight, had gotten baptized. His family went to the Ponderosa Steakhouse. And when they got inside, they're walking around inside and they're, they're just looking, his mom says, go find a seat for us, we're gonna get the food, you you go find a seat for the family. So he's walking over and he sees a man sitting all by himself and he comes back and he asks his mom, he says, hey mom, there's a man sitting by himself, is it okay if we go sit by him? And his mom said, no, I don't think that man is gonna want to be bothered with our family, go find another seat. Pretty soon he comes back and says, mom, please can we go sit by him? And she said, no, Joe, go find another seat. And he comes back says I just feel like we need to sit with him and so his, he said can I go sit with him and so his mom says okay so he goes and sits down and, and he begins visiting with the man the family is sitting over not too far away and they're watching and they're just visiting away and they see them laughing and chatting and just having a great time and as, as the family's just so surprised <laughs> and then finally the family leaves And the man's talking to the little boy, and as they leave, the man comes up to the mother and says, thank you so much for letting your boy come and sit with me tonight. My wife passed away just very recently, and this is where we always came together. He said, I was dreading coming here alone tonight, and I'm just so grateful that you allowed this young boy. He knew by the Holy Ghost. So my brothers and sisters, what about non-baptized people? Can they feel the Holy Ghost? Yes, they can. So let me share with you the difference, okay? And there may be someone in this audience today who is not yet baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I'm going to share with you the difference. Joseph Smith taught there is a difference between the Holy Ghost and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Cornelius received the Holy Ghost before he was baptized which was the convincing power of God unto him of the truth of the gospel. But he could not receive the gift of the Holy Ghost until after he was baptized. Had he not taken this sign or ordinance upon him, the Holy Ghost, which convinced him of the truth of God, would have left him." And that is found in Teachings of Joseph Smith, page 286. Bruce R. McConkie gives a wonderful analogy. He said, It is like a person traveling on a dark and rugged terrain and periodically has a flash of lightning which shows them the way to safety. The way to safety is the waters of baptism by one in authority. They are then baptized and confirmed a member of the church and now they receive the Holy Ghost. Now the light is not just a flash of lightning periodically but it is a constant gift like walking in daylight and i know we probably have many converts to the church in this room and you understand exactly what i'm saying well joseph smith teaches us a powerful lesson baptism is a holy ordinance preparatory to the reception of the holy ghost it is the channel and key by which the holy ghost will be administered the gift of the holy ghost by the laying on of hands cannot be received through the medium of any other principle than the principle of righteousness for if the proposals are not complied with it is of no use but withdraws have you ever been in in an experience where you have walked into a room let me give you an example um i will go shopping with i used to go shopping with my teenage kids and we would walk into some of the stores and they would have loud blasting music I could feel, I could feel the Holy Ghost leave. I I just, it just felt different. I just, it's like I had to get out of there. And it's one of the things that Elder Bednar talks about. Pay attention to when you feel the Holy Ghost and to when the Holy Ghost leaves, pay attention. Well, now let's go to how do we know what choices to make? The Lord promised this first comforter to help us with choices. Joseph Smith said, this first comforter Holy Ghost has no other effect than pure intelligence. It is more powerful in expanding the mind, enlightening the understanding, and storing the intellect with present knowledge. Joseph Smith said that in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 149. Well, Joseph, there it is. So if you want to take a picture of that. After the prophet Brigham Young died. Oh, did I go too fast? Okay, we're back. Go ahead, get your, cue up those phones. I'm I'm a picture taker too, so I know. Well, Joseph Smith, um, in a dream, Brigham Young saw the prophet Joseph Smith in heaven. President Young asked him, what is the most important message I can give to the people? Joseph Smith replied, tell them to get the spirit of the Lord. Then years later, Woodruff, Wil, or excuse me, Wilfred Woodruff had a dream in which he saw Brigham Young. The similar question was asked and Brigham Young's reply was, tell them to get the spirit in their lives. It is so important. So, oops, my husband's going to fix this here. This. give us just a moment. I don't know what I touched, okay, here we go. Thank you, okay, we're good. You're all familiar with the parable of the 10 virgins. And you all know that the virgins represent who? The members of the church. Members of the church. Right. When I was young, I thought it was the members and the non-members. It's just the members. And the bridegroom coming, who's the bridegroom? Christ. Christ. And what's the wedding feast? The second coming. So when the Savior comes at his second coming, he is saying half of the members of the church will be ready and half of the members of the church will not. Wow. That is important. You know, I used to get through the great big lanterns, and then I came to understand that it's just these little vessels that you put the oil in. I wanted to know what is it that we need to have? What is it? What is the oil that we as members need to have? and then the answer was shown to me. The answer is found in Doctrine and Covenants 45, verse 56 and 57. And at that day when I shall come in my glory, this is Jesus Christ speaking. When I shall come in my glory, shall the peril be fulfilled which I spake concerning the 10 virgins. For they that are wise, so the members of the church that are wise, And have received the truth, so we have been baptized. And then here's the key, and have taken the Holy Spirit for their guide. That is the key. And have not been deceived, Verily, I say unto you, they shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire, but shall abide the day. So, look again at this picture. The fire, I liken the fire to the Holy Ghost leading us. So the oil is everything we do in our lives to let that light shine bright every righteous obedient good wonderful thing we do we we feel our lamp as we do good and the holy spirit can be the light to guide us elder Rasmussen said by divine assignment the holy ghost inspires testifies teaches, and prompts us to walk in the light of the Lord. President Nelson said, in the coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. And the talk by President Nelson is April 2018. And the one by Rasband, Elder Rasband, is Let the Holy Ghost Guide, April of 2017. So how do we know it's the Holy Ghost? How do we know well i told you the last class i mentioned and some of you are new so i'm going to tell you again um i was giving a class in the old knight mangum do you remember, who remembers the knight mangum hall i was in their big auditorium. but it's about like this and i was teaching 400 teenagers and you know with teenagers you kind of have to entertain them and um I was speaking about the Holy Ghost, and I'd been worrying, i have been praying, and i have been thinking about it. And I came that morning fasting, and I stood up. I will never forget this experience. I, I had some things I was going to say, but as I stood on the stand, um, it was as though a funnel was put to my head. And immediately, thoughts kept flowing into my brain. And when I left that room, I, I take no credit for these. I wrote them down as quickly as I could. So these, these things I give to you right now are from him. I've added stories, but these, these are from him. So how do we know that it is the Holy Ghost? And here's receiving, and here's me speaking. Well, I wasn't quite that animated, but I really pray to know. So the first way is peace to your mind. The scriptural reference for this is Doctrine and Covenants 6, 22 and 23, and there's other scriptural references, but this is the main one. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you desire a further witness, cast your mind upon the night that you cried unto me in your heart that you might know concerning the truth of these things. Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? What greater witness can you have than from God? So if it's something that only you and God know, It is absolutely of the Holy Ghost. Let me just give you an example. When I went into the mission field, this is me as a young missionary, and this is my mission president. Um, And he was a, a wonderful, wonderful mission president. But as I went into the mission field, there were two things I was worried about. And my mission president asked me, he said, can I give you a blessing? Is there anything you'd like to, I'd like to have a prayer with you. Is there anything you're worried about? And I said, no, I can't think of anything. And he began the prayer. And then I thought, oh, why didn't I tell him to please bless me that when I get home, I'll be able to get married? I was 26 when I entered the mission field. And just through a series of circumstances, that's when the Lord wanted me to go. And the second thing was, in the mtc i had had a night where i had felt i was so discouraged and some of you know those so discouraging moments i had a, a night where i felt like oppression was was pressing me down and all i could do was get out of my bunk bed it was the middle of the night and fall on my knees and plead for that darkness to go away and i remember the darkness dispelled and light came in and i remember feeling that. But in the mission field, I wished I'd asked my mission president. I thought, oh, I wish I'd asked him. But I thought, Okay, he's giving me this prayer. And while he's giving the prayer, I'm thinking, Okay, when I get to my new apartment, I'll just pray for those things myself. And right at that moment, President Hatch, Stephen R. Hatch is his name. He said, and sister, I bless you that the Lord has a wonderful person for you to marry someday. I bless you with that and i bless you that satan will have no power over you throughout the rest of your mission the two things that only me and god knew and i knew he was a man of god well the second is a warm peaceful calm feeling in your mind and in your heart this is one of the main ways that the spirit answers You'll feel peaceful, you'll feel calm, you'll feel just warm, and it just feels good. The scriptural reference is D&C A, two and three. Yea, behold, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which shall come upon you and which shall dwell in your heart. Well, you've all been in testimony meetings where you're sitting there and you just feel this flow of warmth come over you. I will never forget a young woman in an institute class asking about marriage. Here's the testimony meeting. Asking about marriage and um, Bruce R. McConkey said, when I got married, he said, it just felt right. He said, I didn't ask for any bells ringing or any stars to fling or anything like that. He said, it just felt right. And so I got married. President Monson said that peace cannot be duplicated. Satan can duplicate a lot of things, but he cannot duplicate peace. Well, Quentin R. Cook said, The Spirit communicates in marvelous ways. The Lord uses a beautiful description. I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which shall come upon you and which shall dwell in your heart. Now behold, this is the spirit of revelation. And that's from April Conference 2020. Well, Hiram G. Smith, the brother of the prophet said, I have admonished and advised a great many of our saints that if they will only hearken unto those sweet and peaceful promptings, they will know the truth. They will know how to decide upon matters for their safety and success in temporal and in spiritual affairs. And if you will listen to them and act wisely, you will make few mistakes and you will enjoy more peace and safety in life. From Hiram Smith, October 1928, Conference Report. I bet that's the earliest conference report you've been quoted on. (laughs) Well, the next way, but it's such a beautiful message. The next way is a burning in your business. Burning in your bosom. Wow. Okay, I want you to think about this for just a minute because probably a lot of you have had this and didn't even realize it. Let me give you the scriptural reference. It's D&C 9, 8. But behold, I will say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. Then you must ask me if it is right. And if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore, you shall feel that it is right. Well, I just have to tell you, um, first of all, I went on that mission. I told you I was older. And I took French in junior high, and I was called to, to go to France on my mission. I swore, by the way, in junior high I would never take French again. So Heavenly Father has a sense of humor. <laughs> well, I had been out in the mission field for just a few months, and I got a message from my mission president. He was going to make me a senior missionary. Ah, the senior, he's going to make me the, the senior, the, the senior companion. And then, I thought, oh, I hope my junior companion speaks French really good. And then I found out that I was going to be teaching a green or a golden. They call them goldens now, but I was going to be teaching a brand new missionary. And I was horrified because when I came into the mission field, my senior, had, she had just known the language so well. Well, we went to the train station to drop off my companion who was going home. And let me just say that the day before we went to the train station, I was just so concerned. And my French companion, she spoke perfect English. So she always wanted to speak English with me because she was ending her mission. And she wanted to perfect her English. And we came home during the lunch hour and I went into the little bathroom of our um, apartment and I got on my knees and I began to pray. And I just pleaded with God to help me. I was so worried. And while I prayed, my heart began to burn. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it began to consume me. And I didn't know what was going to happen the next day, but I knew somehow everything was going to be okay. Maybe I was going to be given the gift of tongues. I didn't know. (laughs) But the next day, we go to the train station. I drop off my, my companion that's going home. And I'm with the elders, have taken me there, and we're picking up my new companion. And then I see her. She's standing over there, and she's got her bag, and she's got her name tag. And and I go running over to her, and I threw my arms around her, and I said, Welcome to Europe. And she said, Je ne parle pas anglais. I don't speak English. (laughs) And I hugged her even tighter. (laughs) Oh. Heavenly Father had sent me a French missionary that didn't speak any English at all. None, zero. I was forced to learn the language and it was the most wonderful thing and to this day she and I are very, very, very dear friends. Well, here's the way that probably a lot of you have had the burning of the bosom. You've been in a testimony meeting and you're sitting there and you're just listening and enjoying and all of a sudden your heart starts to pound stronger, and stronger, and stronger. You know the feeling I'm talking about? And and you can't sit still. You have to get up and share your testimony. You've, you've had this. You've had this experience. And if you haven't, you will yet have it. Well, the next way is the stupor of thought. A stupor of thought, wow, that's an interesting one. The scriptural reference is DNC 9.9. But if it be not right, you shall have no such feelings, but you shall have a stupor of thought that shall cause you to forget the thing which is wrong. Therefore, you cannot write that which is sacred, say that be given you from me. And Joseph is translating, and he's having a stupor of thought. So you may have prayed for something, and your mind just went blank. Pay attention. The next is an enlightened mind for thought. The scriptural reference for this I'll give you a minute to write that down. I know I'm talking fast. The scriptural reference is Doctrine and Covenants six fifteen. Behold thou knowest that thou hast inquired of me, and I did enlighten thy mind. Now I tell you these things that thou mayest know that thou hast been enlightened by the Spirit of truth. So a mother was in her house and in all of a sudden she had a strong feeling to go check on her little pot, her little baby that's crawling on the floor. She goes into the bedroom and she knows immediately to open the baby's mouth and check the mouth. And inside she pulled out a nail about her spirit. it. a little thing about her. She has so hot. the spirit of her so quickly. and she knew I'm going to embarrass my beautiful mother, who's here. Those of you in the last class saw her. She's turning 91 this year, and she is a sweetheart. My mom, back in the 70s, some of you will remember this. There was a gas crunch, and the, the prices went up, but all the gas stations closed down. They would close about six o'clock at night. Mom went to the funeral of one of her um, relatives up in Idaho. She lived in Holiday Utah and my brother went with her. It was a cousin and they spent all day at this funeral and afterwards she'd stayed late because she was seeing friends, cousins she hadn't seen for a long time. As they're driving back to Salt Lake, they get as far as Lagoon. So for those of you who are familiar with the Utah outline, so they're up there um, right where it says Farmington, they're at Farmington. Now she needs to come all the way down here where it says Mill Creek underneath Salt Lake and to the right. That's quite a distance. And then she's going to drive a little further down there. So she's driving along, and she's at Farmington, and she looks at the gas gauge, and the car is on empty. Now, back in those days, they didn't give the buffers. You didn't have a 10-mile a, you know, buffer or any buffer at all. When the car was empty, it was empty, and it would run out of gas. And I knew that car well because I had run out of gas in it. So anyway, my mom is driving along and she wakes up my brother. It's like midnight and they're trying, they're frantically trying to find a gas station off and they cannot find a gas station anywhere. Everything is shut down. And so they offer a prayer. Now she offers a prayer, the spirit says, keep driving, don't look at the gas gauge. So she keeps driving. So she drives down further. She drives by Centerville then by Bountiful Woods Cross, North Salt Lake. By now, she's tears are coming down her face. Her car is on empty. There is no gas in the car. She keeps going, and she turns and goes east towards Mill Creek and gets off at the 2030 exit. And her home's um, just not too far from there, and she gets <laughs> off the exit. She's driving along, and she looked down at the gas and the car immediately stopped. But she was close enough to home to call my dad to kind and get her. I bear testimony to you this day that that car ran on faith. That car drove on faith. And through her prayer, she knew what to do. Well, when um, this is pretty, this is a really humbling story for me. When I was in high school, my dad had all of us take chemistry because he was a nuclear scientist. He said, I want you to take chemistry. And oh, I hated chemistry, but um, I, I did chemistry. And came home from school, and my friend and I, we studied really hard in the chemistry. And we couldn't figure it out. We could not make sense of it. And then we felt strongly that we needed to go to Young Women's that night. And so we went to Young Women's. And when we came home, we said, Heavenly Father, we went to Young Women's. Please, will you help us with the chemistry? And I will never forget this experience. We opened our book. And all of a sudden, by the way, my dad was out of town, or we would have gotten him to help us. But all of a sudden, everything made sense. It's like he turned our brain on. Everything completely made sense. So students, students can be blessed. Orson Pratt said, but the man filled with the Holy Ghost has got the advantage of the students who graduated our universities. Why? Because he can learn more in 10 minutes in regard to many things than another not so favored can in all this life. Elder Bednar said, if you have a thought to do something good, it's prompted by the Holy Ghost. Well, Rob and I felt a really strong prompting to go on a mission. We felt it so strongly. We were told to go to the Bountiful Temple. Senior missionaries, did you know you can choose where you want to go? Did you know that? And we were told, where do you want to go? And we said, oh, we'd rather have the Lord decide. And, and but, but you could decide. And So we were told to go to the temple and pray about it. So we went to the temple and we prayed. And as we prayed, um, two two things came to us. One, that we would go to Australia, and the other is that a temple would be built in the land. So our call comes, we go back and say, we're turning it back over to to the church, to the brethren, to decide, and our call came a few weeks later. We were called to Australia, we were pretty excited. So we lived in Melbourne, Australia. We had a, an area calling, we were public affairs, now called communication, and we had whole eastern half of australia so we had half of victoria well melbourne had a temple remember a temple is going to be built in the land we were also called to we also went to sydney we went there every month sydney has a temple we also went up to brisbane oh you've got to get to australia it's just so amazing um brisbane has a temple And we love all of those temples and have the privilege of attending them. We were so surprised. So where's the temple gonna be built? All the major cities in Australia have temples. And then we found out that we had an extra assignment in our public affairs communication to go to Papua New Guinea. Here's the mission president. He and his wife, President Hafoka. By the way, anybody, if you go to Australia, they are now the temple president in the Laiei Temple. But they were the mission president in Papua New Guinea. And Rob and I were called to yoga Papua New Guinea as well. And our boss, who was in Area 70, said, I want you to go live there. We lived there for three months. By the way, I told told my husband, I said, I can't do a third world. And he said, OK. And (laughs) Heavenly Father snuck it in. (laughs) (laughs) And I learned that not only can I do third world, I love it with all my heart. So I love Australia, and I love Papua New Guinea. So we lived there three months. Um, this is a bush chapel. <coughs> Notice their sacrament table. Isn't that sweet? <coughs> These are the leaders with my husband and beautiful people. The people would do anything for us. And honestly, remember the the movie that um, you know the movie Other Side of, Other side side of, heaven. of heaven. I Other felt side like I was in it. As we're leaving, they're all waving and blowing kisses, and it was beautiful. Well, we had been told there was going to be a temple, and so the Area 70 tell, said, Tell all of the people everywhere you go. So everywhere we went in Papua New Guinea, we told the people, The Lord told us in our bountiful temple that He wants to build a temple here. And the people would just sob, they would just weep. And then we said, prepare yourselves, pay your tithing, do everything you need to do to prepare for a temple. And the temple for Papua New Guinea was announced just shortly after we got home. Beautiful experience for us. The next way that you receive answers to prayers is words spoken to the mind or audibly. So words can actually, you can hear the words spoken, and it'll feel like they're out loud, but they can also be silent because that's how the spirit speaks. The spirit speaks silently. Sorry over here that you're having a hard time seeing. The scriptural reference is 1 Nephi 16, 9. And right here, Uh, audibly. Oops, sorry, words spoken, here's the scripture. So words spoken audibly, spoken to the mind or out loud. It, it'll, okay, it's 16.9. Six, and it came to pass that the voice of the Lord spake unto my father by night and commanded him that on the morrow he should take his journey into the wilderness. And you all are familiar with that as Nephi and his family go. As we came home from our mission I asked Heavenly Father what would you have me do? And I was told to write a book. I want you to know I've got it almost done. Oh, okay. Hopefully by next year it'll be here. But That came very clearly. My friend Debbie was at home. She was scrubbing her floor. Her son came in, he slammed the door. He went upstairs, he slammed another door, and she said, wow, I'm gonna let him cool off. And then right then, a voice spoke to her. And she's given me permission to share this. She said, the voice said, you are spending a lot of time doing nothing. She knew that she needed to go find her son and find out what was going on. Which she did, and there was a sweet sharing. Well, I love this book. For those of you who haven't read this, this is one of the sweetest book, In Search of the Living God, Elder Busha, who was not a member of the church, had liver disease. And he said that he's struggling in the hospital, not a member. And he cried out for help. Those of you in the last class heard that ask, is the key in prayer to ask. And he said he heard a voice say, if you can pray now, you will recover. He said it was just a flash of a few seconds. Someone had told me to do something with an audible voice a penetrating authority and amid a vivid, clearly visible. He saw a brilliant light. I was actually invited to pray. He said, I did not know what it meant to pray. I did not have any religious background. Praying was not a part of my thinking or a part of my knowledge. It was clear to me that a prepared prayer, such as the Lord's Prayer that I had memorized, was not what was asked for, that I should give myself to communication with the highest authority imaginable in a sincere way. It seemed to be more than I could comprehend, and I was confused about what I should do. Then it was as if someone was helping me to formulate a prayer, one that for me was the most honest prayer I could ever pronounce. In German, it consists of only three words, ship, Thy will be done. I said those few words with full understanding of the meaning behind them. He knew that he might die, and immediately he said, "I felt an electric impulse course through my body, so powerfully that all the pain, panic, and agony changed into feelings of joy beyond my ability." By the way, Elder Busha did join the church. It took him a while, took the missionaries by the while to get him to. He said, "I'll join it under two conditions." One, that I never have to speak in public. And the second, that I never have to hold a calling. Well, Joseph Smith, there he is, Elder F. Enzio Joseph Smith said, the spirit of revelation is in connection with these blessings. I love this. A person may profit by noticing the first intimation of the spirit of revelation. For instance, when you feel pure intelligence flowing into you, It may give you sudden strokes of ideas that by noticing it, you may find it fulfilled the same day or soon those things that were presented into your mind by the Spirit of God. They will come to pass, and thus by learning the Spirit of God and understanding it, you may grow into the principle of revelation until you become perfect in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. That's from the words of Joseph Smith, page 5 and 6. So sometimes we expect these huge manifestations like bells ringing, lights going off, but the Spirit is usually shown to us through the quiet whisperings or through peace. And think of the prophet Samuel when he was spoken to many times. Okay, the next is dreams. The scriptural reference for dreams is 1 Nephi 8.2. And it came to pass that while my father tarried in the wilderness, he spake unto us saying behold i have dreamed a dream or in other words i have seen a vision and we're all familiar with lehi's dream um and he had many dreams for just a moment i want to share with you the experience of herschel Herschel was a man in his 50s studying to be a rabbi he had a family and he decided to go back to rabbinical school and he's studying he has a dream one night he's getting ready to he's finished his first year getting ready to take his boards and he has a dream, and he dreams that a personage is standing in front of him with a handout like this and says, Stop. And he's so perplexed. So he goes to his readers and says, I'm really confused. And the next year, he does the next year of study. Stages so that year, goes to take his boards again and have that same, year and, same year. and finally, on the third year, same thing happens. He's so troubled. So he holds off and one day some missionaries stop at his house and the missionaries stop and they're shaking his hands and and they hand him the old book of mormon and he said that's him that is the personage who told me to stop that is him and he said come in and teach me what you have so Herschel became a member of the church and not only did he become a member he became a valiant member he and his wife went through the temple. He studied and learned everything he could. And then he died about about like a year and a half after he became a member. And there are many who think that he is one of those that is teaching those Holocaust victims on the other side of the veil. Well, many of you are familiar with this story of Anthony Obina. In 1965, he had a dream of a tall man with a walking stick who took him to a magnificent building and he had that dream many times and then war broke out in his land in 1958 he saw a reader's digest and it had a picture of the temple and he said that's the building that the man with the walking stick took him to anthony the church wasn't yet established in nigeria so he began an unofficial branch the missionaries arrived in 1978 and they began to baptize huge congregations. And by the way, this is what's happening in Papua New Guinea today. Well, this whole being came alive. The last way is visions and visitations. The scripture reference, 1st Nephi 1, 6 to 14. 1st Nephi chapter 11, all of chapter 11. Joseph Smith History 1, 17 and 25. I'll leave it there for a minute. God's blessings to us of the Holy Ghost is limitless. I want to repeat again. Did you all get this, President Nelson? In April two thousand eighteen, I'm going to repeat it again. One of the things the spirit has—oh, sorry—I'll get to Wilford Woodruff in a second. One of the things the spirit has repeatedly impressed upon my mind since my new calling as president of the Church is how willing the Lord is to reveal His mind and will. The privilege of receiving revelation is one of the greatest gifts of God to his children. That's April conference, 2018. Well, Wilfred Woodruff said, there is no end to the Holy Ghost and the power of God and the revelations of God. Oops. There it is, I just had it in the wrong order. Elder Stevenson said, we have direct access to our own revelation so the lord can comfort and guide us personally in october 2020 and now for the final quote I with that. take down this reference it's key to theology page 96 and 97 the fourth edition some of you have heard this before i think this is so beautiful an intelligent being in the image of god possesses every organ attribute sense sympathy, affection of will, wisdom, love, power, and gift, which is possessed by God himself. But these are possessed by man in his rudimental state in a subordinate sense of the word, or in other words, these attributes are an embryo and are to be gradually developed. They resemble a bud, a germ, which gradually develops into a bloom and then by progress produces the mature fruit after its own kind. The gift of the Holy Spirit adapts itself to all these organs and attributes. It quickens all the intellectual faculties, increases, enlarges, expands and purifies all the natural passions and affections and adapts them by the gift of wisdom to their lawful use. It inspires, develops, cultivates and matures all the fine-toned sympathies, joys, tastes, kindred feelings and sim- kindred feelings and affections of our nature. It inspires virtue, kindness, goodness, tenderness, gentleness, and charity. It develops beauty of person, form, and features. It tends to help vigor, animation and social feelings. It develops and invigorates all the faculties of the physical and intellectual man. It strengthens and invigorates and gives tone to the nerves. In short, it is as it were marrow to the bone, joy to the heart, light to the eyes, music to the ears, and life to the whole being. That's Parley P. Pratt. To theology, page 96 and 97. Well, my brothers and sisters, the Lord said, Those who will abide the day will have their lamps trimmed and the light shining bright. We know that the Savior's second coming is not far distant. I pray that all of us will have our light shining bright, that we will do everything in our lives to have the Holy Ghost as a part of our being. And in this next class, I'm going to share with you some of the beautiful promises that come in letting the Holy Ghost guide our lives. I just want you to know I have a testimony of the spirit of the Holy Ghost. as a wonderful, overwhelming blessing in our lives. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ.